How we feeling? Y'all feel good? Ready for a good night? Hey, if you're ready for a good night, hug your neighbor next to you. Don't sit down, though. Tell them you love them. Has someone told you you look good today? Look to your neighbor and say, hey, you look great. I like your fit today. Even if you're wearing sweat shorts and a t-shirt, you still look good. Hey, my name is Andrew Matrone. I'm one of the Young Adults pastors on staff, and I love this place. I love y'all. Um, man, I'm really excited for tonight's message, and uh, we're in a series called A People of God. And basically, in simplicity, what this message or this whole series is about is that once you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, that you're a new creation, that you're set apart, that the old is gone, the new has come. And in 1 Peter 2, 9, it says, For you are a chosen people, royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. When you say yes to Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That we believe once you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're new. You're set apart, that, that you walk different, you talk different, you think different, you live different. The, the, the culture goes one way, but you go another way because you are set apart. And this is what this whole series is about, is that what does it look like for a believer to be set apart in a world like we live in today, in the culture and society that we find ourselves in? And so each week we're going to be talking about something different. I felt impressed in my heart to talk about how God has set you apart when it comes to your relationships and when it comes to the community that you find yourself in. And that your community and your relationships, your friendships should look different than what the world deems okay or what the world deems worthy. And I'm going to be reading out of Acts chapter 2 tonight. And it's going to be verses 42 through 47. And a little bit of background to this passage, uh, weeks before this, Jesus had just gone to the cross, died on the cross for our sins, he went to the grave, but then three days later, he rose from the dead, amen? So Jesus, he, he raises from the grave, and then uh, before he ascends into heaven, it says that he leaves the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is left inside of us to, to guide us, to com comfort us, to convict us, to encourage us. But so he leaves the Holy Spirit, and about this time, in, when Acts, the, the book of Acts starts, there's only about 120 followers of the way. But there's this moment where the 12 disciples, they're in this room, and the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples in such a powerful way. Go read it for yourself. It's so amazing. It's so powerful that all these people around start leaning into seeing what's happened. Thousands of people. And so at that moment, the Apostle Peter, he stands up in front of thousands of people. He preaches the first post-Jesus sermon ever recorded. And it says that the words that he spoke were so effective that 3,000 people were added to their number that day. So it went from 120 followers of the way to 3,120 followers of the way. So 3,000 people come into relationship with Jesus, and then what I'm about to read ensues immediately after this happened. And the headline for this passage is called The Fellowship of the Believers. The Fellowship of the Believers. So I'm going to read it for you. You ready? Literally one. 
Literally, thank you. you got your, she got her Bible open. Come on. Somebody, good for you. I'm not shaming the rest of you, but she's, she's great. All right. It says they devoted themselves. This is the 3,120 believers. They devoted, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs per- performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Tonight the title of my message is A Community Set Apart. A community set apart. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for everyone that's present in this room. Lord, I believe that you have uh, such a unique word that you want to speak to us. God, I believe that even the words I speak may have nothing to do with someone's situation. And Lord, I just believe that you want to speak to them either way. Lord, I believe that any time that the word of God is open, Lord, I believe that you, you want to speak. Lord, so I pray that you would take these scriptures, Lord. You would take these verses, Lord, and speak uniquely to every single one of our situations. God, we love you. We trust you. We ask all this in your name. All God's people said, amen. Hug someone's neck on your way down. Sorry, I'm a touchy-feely kind of guy. So I want you to be as well. Question, has anybody ever been on a, on a bad first date? Wow. Who hasn't been on a bad first date? Okay, okay, great. Who's on a bad first date right now? You're like, dear Lord. They invited me. I knew I should have said no. I remember uh, when I was 18 years old. And I was going to college. I, I, was, I was a freshman at college. And, you know, every semester you, you, you go to your school, you're hoping and scoping. You know, you're like, who are the transfers? Where are they coming from? You know, I, I was 18 years old. And, and, you know, I went to a Christian school. And so it's ring by spring. Like, you, you enter into school and you're like, yo, uh, who's going to be my wife? I, I might meet her the first day. Who's going to be my wife? And so... I was 18 years old, and I was a freshman in school, and I was hoping and scoping, and, and, I, and I saw this girl, and I'm like, okay, she all right. Uh, and so I, I'm like, I got to ask her out. But, but three months goes by, and I haven't said anything, okay? I'm a typical guy. So three months goes by, I don't say anything. And so, so finally, I muster up the strength. I'm like, I got to ask this girl out. And so, so I, I accidentally bump into her, guys. You know what I'm talking about. I accidentally bump into her, and, and I'm like, oh, hey, uh, would you? I had no plan. I'm like, you want to go, go out on Friday night? She's like, sure. And I'm like, oh, snap. For real, for real? Okay. And I, uh, I, I, she, she said, well, what do you want to do? I hadn't thought that far. I didn't think she was going to say yes. And, and so I don't know why I said this. But I said, let's go ice skating. And she says, great. I actually grew up being a competitive ice skater my entire life. 
And y'all, so it put me in a predicament, okay? I, I played football in college. I was like 250 pounds, okay? I was not meant to, to skate on, on ice like that, okay? I was meant to run in a straight line and hit people as hard as I possibly could. And so we're going to this ice skating rink. I, I pick her up. It's Friday night, and, and we go to Jordan Valley Ice Skating Rink. Anybody from Springfield, Missouri? <laughs> I, I said it for you guys. I knew you were going to scream for me. Thank you. And the place is packed, all right, because it's Springfield, Missouri. There's nothing to do. So the ice skating rink is packed. And, and so we go in, and I'm dreading this entire thing. And, and I say to her, I'm like, okay, hey, I'm going to go rent our skates. And she says, oh, no, hold on. And she's like, I have my own. And she pulls out these, like, beautiful, like, white, pearly skates that had been, like, uh, razor down. It's like all this perfection. And, and so I go and get these, these big old brown clunky, you know what I'm talking about, these ugly ice skates. And, and so we're sitting down, we're tying our shoes, and she stands up. She's, like, just, like, walking with her ice skates. And I'm just like, come on, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, a total dummy. And, and so this is miserable. And I'm like, this is horrible. Why did I do this? I want to run. I want to crawl into a hole and die. And so we go out there, and she, like, jumps out. She's like, just, like, just floating on the ice. And I'm just like, oh, my. I'm holding on to the edge. And I'm like, hey, why? it's more, like, intimate and quiet over here. Why don't we, why don't we hang out over here and talk? And we go around, around the wall. And, and she's like, okay. And so, so we're kind of going along the wall, and I'm just, like, stumbling and bumbling, trying to, trying to act cool. And, and finally, she gets to this place. She's like, well, I want to go. I, I want to escape. I'm like, okay, go do you, boo. And so she, she all of a sudden, she leaves me. She, this girl leaves me, and she starts skating around. And, and every time she passes me by, I'm like, have fun. Hope you're having a good time. You're doing good, right? Just skating. So she comes back around to me, and she's like, hey, Andrew, let's ice skate. You invited me on a date to ice skate. Let's do it. I'm like, all right, let's do it. I got it. I'm like, and I'm speaking, I'm like, Andrew, man up. You are a 250-pound man. Man up. Put your big boy pants on and ice skate. Would the, for the love of God, would you just do it? Figure it out, okay? And so, so she grabs my hand, and we're, we're skating. I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm really doing it, Mom. I'm, really, I'm skating. And, and, and all of a sudden, you, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. When you, you start, you're like, oh, I'm slipping. And, okay, I'm slipping a little bit more. And so I'm, I'm, now I'm doing the arm thing, okay? And I'm thinking in my mind, okay, this date is going down, and so she's going down with me. So I literally start falling back, and all I could grab onto was the back of her hood, and I pulled her right on down with me. We didn't go on another date. And no lie, I have not ice skated in 13 years. <laughs> My wife has been, let's do it. I'm like, no, 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 uh -uh. I ain't doing that. I'm not giving you the satisfaction to seeing this big body on the ice skating rink. But I'll never forget, my big broken body was just laying on the ice skating rink, and I had never been surrounded by more people, but felt more lonely and isolated in my life. You ever felt that before? Like surrounded by a bunch of people? Surrounded by a bunch of people in a room like this or surrounded by people at your, your work or your classroom, at the gym, surrounded by people, but you've never felt more alone, never felt more lonely, never felt more isolated. See, I think that we've all felt this at some point, and research has 
shown over the years, and data has, has uh, come alongside this, that at this point in history, we are the most connected people that have ever walked this planet. Most connected people that ever walked this planet. But the kicker is we're the most connected people to ever walk this planet, but studies would show that we're the most lonely people to ever walk this planet. Because of social media, our phones, Facebook, Instagram, we're the most connected, but we're the most lonely people to ever walk this planet. At this time in history, we've never known more people in our lives, but have never felt less known in history. A research study done by the insurance provider Cigna, they did a, a study on, on all the people. It was, it was this large demographic of ethnicity and, and age demographic. And they found that 54% of people felt alone or left out. 54% of people in the United States. And those numbers only got higher whenever it came to Western Europe and the UK. I, I read an article, it was about a year and a half ago, that the United Kingdom, they, they created a new cabinet position. And guess what that cabinet position was? It was called the Prime Minister of Loneliness. The Prime Minister of Loneliness created a new cabinet position to fight the epidemic of loneliness, of depression, and of suicide. You see, loneliness, if you really study loneliness, loneliness, it affects everything. It affects your physical health, your mental health, your spiritual health. A study by Psychology Today, I read that they, they said that loneliness, it causes all sorts of health problems. It weakens immune systems. It damages sleep cycles. And we wonder why we're the most anxious, depressed, doctor-prescribed, self-medicated people to ever walk the planet because we have no real connections. Our world today offers a false sense of connectivity, therefore offering a false sense of intimacy. I know, but I don't feel known. Can I tell you something? That this was never God's plan for your life? Can I tell you that this was never God's plan for, for my life? That, that God created us with this deep, deep desire to be needed and to be known? Every single one of us, I don't care how strong you are, how macho, how independent you are, that every single one of us deep down desires to be needed and to be known. You know why? Because God created you this way. God created you this way. And how do we know God created you this way? Well, God created you in his image, and God is a relational God. Therefore, God created you to be a relational being, to be a connected human being, to be an intimate human being. We see it in, in Genesis, the very beginning of the Bible. You have God created Adam. Adam's walking around the garden, all naked, all by himself. And it says that, that God looks at him in Genesis 2.18. It says, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good. It's not healthy. So I'm going to give him a companion. A companion is someone who, who compliments you. A companion is someone who travels through this life with you. God looked at man, the first person that he created in perfection, and said it's not good for man to not be known. It's not good for man to hustle through this life trying to figure out everything on their own without deep, meaningful relationships. Can I tell you that we need people, amen? amen. Proverbs 27, 17 says, for as iron sharpens iron, so another man sharpens another person. 
They use this imagery for iron because iron needs another piece of iron to sharpen, to build, and to strengthen. And the writer of Proverbs is, is, is imitating us to a piece of iron saying, you as a person, you need another person to build yourself, to strengthen yourself, to sharpen the person that God called you to be. Can I tell you that we need people in this life more than just to watch a game with and share a beer with? Can I tell you that we need people in this world more than just to go out with on the weekend? We need people in this world more than just to gossip about the boss that we hate. We need people in this world more than just to send memes to every single day. We need people in this world more than just to share old memories and new fantasies. Listen, I'm not saying that all those things are bad, but we need people to share our lives with. We need people to share our struggles with. We need people who will stand with us in defeat and stand with us in victory. Listen, we need people to confess to. We need people who will push us, challenge us, lift us up. We need people who will call us into something. We need people who will call us out of something. Listen, I'm not here to try to convince you that you need people around you, okay? Even if you're an atheist or agnostic or, or you have no relationship with God, we can probably all agree on the fact that we need people around you. So I'm not trying to uh, convince you that you need people around you. What I am trying to convince you is that there is a type of community that I believe God intended for you that looks far different than what the culture has to offer you. Listen, I, I believe that when you come into a relationship with God, I believe that two things happen. That you're saved from something, you're saved from death, you're saved from sin, but I also believe that you're saved into something. You're saved into a family, you're saved into a brotherhood and a sisterhood of believers who are called to sharpen one another, amen? Listen, but the reality is, is I believe that God has a plan for how this should take place. And we see it here in Acts chapter 2. It says that 3,000 people got saved and then they immediately turned around and began doing life with one another. Got saved, put their faith in Jesus Christ, learned how to love God, and then they began to love one another in fellowship and doing life with each other. And so relationships, God's way, is about a few things. And I, I'm going to give you four things that I believe that relationships, God's way, uh, that God calls us to. And so here's the four things we're going to go through. Relationships God's way is about intentionality, commonality, hospitality, and practicality. Come on, someone clap for me. You're like, why? Because I'm not that smart and I came up with that. Thank you. I wonder if like, people don't know me at all. They're like, dude, I hate that guy. Already. You do know me. Sorry. All right. Relationships God's way. Number one is about intentionality. Intentionality. Acts 2.42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So they devoted themselves to understanding a, a relationship with God, which is number one. You have to love God. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, which fellowship, the root word of fellowship is life together, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Okay, so they devoted, dedicated, other versions say that they were fervent and zealous in their pursuit of fellowship 
breaking bread and prayer with one another. In other words, they pursued life together with intentionality. Can we all agree on something, though? That relationships are difficult. Why are relationships difficult? Because people are difficult. Can I get an amen? Come on, listen. Relationships are messy. Why? Because people are messy. You take like two people or a group of people with all different kind of personalities and, and, and background and different Enneagram scores and all different kinds of things, and you put them together and you say, okay, try to be friends and love each other and care for each other. Listen, people are messy, and so therefore relationships are messy. And because relationships are messy, it's easier for us to keep relationships at a surface level. Amen? Because if I keep relationships at a surface level, then I don't risk getting hurt. Been hurt a bunch by a lot of people. So if I keep my relationships at a surface level, I don't risk getting hurt. If I keep my relationships at a surface level, then I don't have to put in much effort. Because let's be honest, I'm busy. I got things to do. I got video games to play. Okay, if I, if I want to keep relationships at a surface level because I don't got time for it. Uh, we, we, we keep relationships at a surface level because then I just don't have to deal with people. People are emotional. I'm not. Like, they just kind of get on my nerves. Like, and if I'm being really honest, I don't even like people. <laughs> but I think that the older we get, I think that the more relational shrapnel we experience. Like, the, the, the longer you go on in life, the more people that you come across, the more people that you deal with, and the more people that you deal with, the higher chance you're going to have some relational shrapnel or some relational trauma. There's a lot of people who sit in a room like this, and you have immense amount of relational trauma or shrapnel, whether it's because of, of an ex, whether it's because of, of someone who did something to you that you did not want done to you, whether it's because something, a relationship with a parent. There's a lot of us who walk around with a lot of relational trauma and relational shrapnel. And so for a lot of us, it's easier to, to put up a guardian and keep people at an arm's distance. Because I'm going to manage every single relationship around me. I'm going to keep people at an arm's distance because I can then protect myself from getting hurt or experiencing things that I don't want to experience in my relationships. This is a story for many of us, but can I tell you, this is not God's story for you. This is not what God wants for you. This is not what God desires for you. Regardless of your story, God never designed you to keep every single person at an arm's distance. Are there some people you need to? Yes. Are there some people tonight you need to decide to? Yes. But I do not believe that God created us to keep every single person at an arm's distance and every relationship at a surface level. Because relationships, at least the way God intended, the ones that breathe life, the ones that pour in and, and don't just take out, those kind of relationships, those relationships do not deepen naturally. The best relationships, the ones that are made of gold, have to be dug out. Those relationships, they, they take intentionality. They take vulnerability. They take time, attention, effort, persistence, endurance. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 10, he says this, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us be mindful of it. Let us think about it. Let us be creative on how to push each other. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. The writer is saying, listen, you have to put in effort. 
You have to lean in. You have to be persistent in your pursuit of the people around you. But the reality is, is God calls us to be intentional, but most of us, when it comes to our relationships, we couldn't be more unintentional. Because somewhere along the line, we bought the lie. We bought into the lie that that fruitful, life-giving, strong relationships, they'll just fall into our lap and sprout into this beautiful community. Y'all know it don't happen that way. Like, we, we, we began to, 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 to buy into this lie that, that the, the good, healthy relationships that, that I so desire and I feel God wants me, they're just going to happen. I can't tell you how many times that I've heard it over the years. People in this ministry or, 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 or youth ministry or whatever, they, they come week after week after week to church and they say, I just didn't connect with anybody. Like, I tried. I tried a life group, but I just didn't connect. I showed up to church, but, but no one talked to me. And so I've kind of given up on, on trying to find some, like, really good Christian healthy community. So I'm just going to keep leaning into all the relationships that I have currently. Listen, can, can, I, can I challenge your thinking on that? Don't allow yourself to be a victim of your circumstances. Can, can, can I challenge you? that, that I, I know that, that, that maybe you feel like every single person that you've engaged with wants nothing to do with you. Can I tell you that this community wants a lot to do with you? Can I tell you there are opportunities, there are people within this church who want to engage with you, who want to love you, who want to encourage you and push you towards the path that God has placed before you? Can I tell you that we have to not allow ourselves to be victims of, of our relationships and our circumstances? We can't enter into an environment like this and show up for a couple weeks and say, just didn't work for me. You gotta be intentional. You gotta push forward. We have to devote ourselves to the pursuit of fellowship. Can, can, can I encourage you, you, you guys with, with a few practical things? Like, I believe that there are so many amazing people here, but, but a lot of times we, you, you show up late, you leave early. Can, can I tell you, there's people here that I, I believe wanna, wanna pour into your life. There's, there's amazing godly men and women within this, this ministry, but you have to continue to show up. Uh, if you want to put up that slide. Oh, right here. Sorry, Milana. Hey, guys, Milana, she's great, isn't she? That was, that was a good word. She runs all of our social media and production, so she's a legend. And all of our creative, she makes all of this. Um, so if, if, you, if you want to pull out your phone, okay, Welcome to the, the 21st century, okay? Pull out your phone, the camera, and just zoom into that. It's 21st century, right? Dear Lord, yeah, I'm just asking you guys. So, so scan that. There, there's all sorts of ways to, to get involved here at, at our church. And we'll put this up after service, too, so, so you don't have to do it right now. But listen, can, can I encourage you that, that you can join a life group? That we have thousands of people within our church at every single location. You have the opportunity to join a life group. You have an opportunity to, to lead a life group. Well, I tried a life group once, it didn't really work out for me. Well, there's 7 billion people on this planet, okay? I'm sure that there's a group or some people that you can find some kind of engagement with. Can I tell you that there's all sorts of opportunities to serve within our church? That, that, that you can find a community by serving within our youth ministry. You can find community by serving with, with our Kids Rock, with our God Behind Bars. You can find community with other people where they literally go to the prisons and they bring Jesus Christ to people in prisons all throughout our state. There's all sorts of ways to, to get involved within our church. Our Recover Ministry meets every single Friday night at 630 
in recovery ministry is people who are recovering from something. Hence, all of us, okay? It's people who are recovering from relational trauma, addictions. But it's, it's a community of believers who are striving towards the same goal. Uh, you, you can join our sports ministry. Yes. There's like over 3,000 people within our sports ministry. Anytime that a 20-something moves to Denver, they're like, I'm trying to find community. I say, come to Young Adults, and I say, join the sports ministry. They have sports all year round, ways for you to engage with people. There's all sorts of classes that you, you can get involved with. Like there are stuff within our church, within our four walls, that, that you can find the community, but you have to be intentional with it. Listen, I, I've learned, if I've learned anything about God, here's something that I've learned. When God calls you to something, he'll grace you for it. And I believe that God has called us to relationships, and if God has called you to relationships, God will grace you for relationships. Can, can, I, can I tell you, if, this, if you're looking for something like that, can, can you pray about it? Can you talk to God about it? Can, can you lean into it? Because I believe that if God wants it for you, he's going to grace you for it, okay? So relationships God's way is about intentionality. Intentionality starts with you. It's not someone else's job. Number two, Relationships God's way is about commonality, commonality. Acts 2, 43 through 44 says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Circle that word. See, I believe that most relationships are formed one of two ways. They're either formed because of common struggles or formed because of common interests. Okay, think about this for a moment. Common struggles, a lot of us find relationships based off of common struggles. The same uh, family background, fam same family struggles, same marital issues, same financial issues, same mental health issues, same substance abuse issues. And, and, and we begin to find each other and do life with each other. Why? Because misery loves what? Company. Misery loves company. Misery loves comfort. There's comfort in knowing that somebody else is just as jacked up as I am. I saw all the time as a youth pastor for almost a decade. You would see a, a group of students, and, and as I'd get to know them, I, I would find out that every single one of those kids, their parents were divorced. They had a common struggle, and they found each other within that common struggle. But can I tell you that, that common struggles, what it does is it creates false intimacy. Because when that struggle is gone, there's no foundation for your relationship. I know that you, you, you both hate that boss. You talk bad about that boss. You feel so close to that person. But once that boss is removed, you have no relationship because your relationship was based off a struggle. And when the struggle is gone, you have no foundation for your relationship. Can I tell you, when you have relationships with people where there's only shared of common struggles, when that person, usually they want to keep you there. Rarely is that person trying to push you on to the next thing. They want to keep you there because misery loves company. So common struggles or common interests. You have the same hobbies, same lifestyle, same sports team. You're bald, okay? Like we have the same, same interest in that. Or maybe it's a common struggle. I don't know. Common struggles. Common interests, we find relationships based off those. And listen, I'm not saying that all those things are bad, but what I am saying, though, is the deep, meaningful relationships that God desires, and I believe that the relationships that we deep down desire have a greater chance of being found when we link up with people not of common struggle, not of common interest, but of common value, of common values. See, as a believer, we share common values with other believers. At least we should. 
Like we share the same common value in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a pretty big one. We have a lot of relations where a lot of people put their hope in a lot of other things. But we share the same common value of Jesus Christ. We believe that he came to this earth. He died on the cross. He rose three days later. And by putting our faith in him, our life will not only change here on this earth, but for eternity in heaven. We all we share the same story. I once was lost, but now I'm found. And I'm on the path towards where God has called me to be. We share the same guide for life. The word of God that is a lamp unto my feet. We share that value. We share the same love for God. We share the same job of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's why this is so important. That when we share common values, these people don't just enable you, these people empower you. See, a lot of us, we have a lot of relationships where people just continue to enable bad behaviors. They continue to enable poor thought patterns. But when we share common values with people, they don't enable us, they empower us. We need people who will empower us, amen? We need people who will keep us accountable. I heard someone say one time that accountability is someone who keeps account of your ability. You need people who will look at you and say, listen, you are called, you are set apart, you are purposed, you have planned. Look, I need people in my life who will keep me accountable to the kind of husband and father and leader and employer that God has called me to be, sharing common values, See, these kind of things take place, we're pushed, we're held accountable when we share common values with people. Intentionality, commonality, and number three, write this down, is hospitality. Hospitality. Acts 2, 45 says, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had in need. The first church in Acts was hospitable. They gave of themselves. They, they didn't take, but they gave of themselves. It says that they would take all their resources, put all their resources together, and they would give to those who were in need, who were hungry, who could not take care of themselves. They were about meeting the needs of people. Can I tell you that this is what the body of Christ was meant to be? This is what the body of Christ was meant to do. Can I tell you that we should be the most generous people on planet earth? Why? Because God is the most generous. We believe that every good and perfect and pleasing thing in your life is because God has allowed you to it. Listen, we believe that the world determines success on what I can gather, but the kingdom of God determines success on what I can give. How can I pour myself out? How can I give to those around me who are hurting and broken and in need? Amen? The first church in Acts was hospitable. We have to meet the needs of one another. We need people who will sit with us when we're struggling. We need people who will sit with us in times of need. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, but a brother is born for a time of adversity. Listen, it's easy to love people and serve people when life is good. But true friends are found when they stick with us in times of adversity. Galatians 6, 2 says, Carry each other's burdens. This is the kind of law Christ asks us to Obey. Called to carry each other's burdens, be hospitable. Hospitality says nothing more than I see you, I hear you, I'm going to sit with you, I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to meet the needs for you. Listen, we are meant to be this for people. People are meant to be this for us. Hospitality says you are not alone. Amen. Relationships God's way is about what? Intentionality. It's about what? And about what? 
hospitality. And the fourth thing, nice. Relationships God's way is about practicality. This one could have been a stretch, but we're going to go with it. Acts 2, 46-47 says, They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor, circle favor, of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, I believe that in God's eyes there's a very practical reason to why he calls us to community. And it's so that the world will take notice. God calls you and I to community so that the world will take notice. You see that it says that they enjoyed the favor of all people. This, this doesn't mean they, they enjoyed the favor of, of themselves. It means that they enjoyed the favor of the people on the outside who were looking in. In other words, people liked them. Can you believe it? That people liked Christians. Listen, people were so attracted to how they engaged with one another, how they loved one another, how they met the needs of one another. They said, I want that. Based off of how they engaged with each other, people came to know Jesus Christ. But, you know, Jesus said that this would happen in John 13, 35. He says, this is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. Jesus says, this is how they'll know you're my disciple. Not how you love other people, but how you love each other. You want people to know you're with me? Then love each other. Love the people next to you. Love this room. Hear me, if you have said yes to Jesus and you're in community with other believers, you have been set apart. And so the way we engage in relationship with one another should look different than how the world engages in relationship with one another. Can we get real for a moment? I believe that we live in such a divided and polarized world right now. Holy cow. Like never ends. And, and I'm sure the world has always been divided to, to some extent. And, and maybe it's just new cameras and, and, and new social media platforms where we're seeing things maybe a little bit different. But, but I think for as long as we've lived, we could probably say that right now this is the most polarizing and divided time that most of us have ever experienced in this life. But what's crazy is that I think that our outside world is like that our culture is, and then people come to church or watch Christians interact, and we look no different. Like we fight about theology. We fight about mask or no mask. Fight about vaccine or no vaccine. We, we fight about Democrat, Republican. We fight about is racism real, is racism not real. We, we're always fighting, always divided. And the reality is that we live in such a divided world that I feel like people outside are like, maybe, just maybe, the church will be a place where people are unified. Maybe, just maybe, the church will be a place where they're together. But then they see how Christians interact with each other on social media. And I think it's one of the most ugliest things on the planet. There's no wonder why people are so unattracted to the church. There's a decline in church attendance in westernized culture. You know why? Because we look just like everyone else. But the church of Christ, his people, the bride, you and I, never meant to fit into the rest of the world. We were always meant to stand out. Always meant to be set apart. Listen, can I tell you that people of God, we should, we should love differently. 
We should attend the, the needs of people more vigorously. People should look into uh, the church culture, should look at how Christians interact with each other, say, I want that. I want the Jesus they serve. I want the relationships that they have. But I think that the world looks at how the Christian culture is divided as well. And Christ says, people will know. People will know that you are a disciple of his on how you love those around you, how you love this room. See, I believe that when we do this, people will begin to take notice. We should be the most attractive group of people on the planet. People should say, I want what they have. See, I don't know where, where you stand with all this, and can, can I tell you that, that, that tonight's message is not my agenda. Tonight's message is not young adult's agenda. Tonight's message, I believe, is God's agenda for your life. And, and can you please hear me? I, I, I'm, I am not saying in the slightest that you should not be friends of people who don't know Jesus. Some of you sitting in here like, I walked in with a friend who loves Jesus. I don't. So you're telling them not to hang out? No, 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 no. Not at all. That's why, that's why we're on this earth. God set, set us on a mission. He gave us an assignment. To, to, to seek the lost, to, to love the lost, to care for the lost. But I'm telling you that, that if you want to follow down the path that God has called you for, if, if, if you want to walk down the path of integrity and character and, and, and to, to, to walk with this word that is a lamp unto our feet, you need people in your life who share common values, who can push you, who can challenge you, who can look at you and say, no, 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 you're better than that. you got a greater call in your life. I'm going to call you out of that. I'm going to push you and encourage you and challenge you. We need people like that in our lives. But if I could circle all the way to the beginning, you sit in a place like this and you say, you know what, I, I find myself feeling very isolated. I find myself feeling extremely alone. I've never been more lonely in my life, and I think COVID has, has created that in, in such a, a bigger way. Maybe created something more than what was already there before, but can, can I just encourage you that that's not God's call for your life? That, that, that God, God's not sitting there and happy that you're lonely? God's not happy that you sit there in bed at night alone and contemplate life? that God wants this for you, but you have to get inside your heart and your soul that, that God has designed you for this, that God has designed you for community, but it takes intentionality. Listen, I believe that life can sometimes feel like a rat race, but this race gets a whole lot easier when we start running the race of people who can push us, challenge us, and love us. So just a couple questions. Ask yourself, where do I stand with this? Where do I stand? What, 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 what area of this am I struggling? What area of this is God calling me to more? And how can I be more intentional in my pursuit of God's desire for my relationships? On with this verse right here, Ecclesiastes 4, it says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help up the other. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. We need people, amen. God's called you to it. He'll grace you for it. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you so much for um, this room. God, I thank you for the people who are here. And God, I just believe that 
you have great plans for us when it comes to our relationships. And the reality is, Lord, if we were to look at the people that we surround ourselves with, we could probably see where we're going in life. And Lord, I believe that you're calling this group to something different, something greater, something bigger. But with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask this one question. I never want to talk about Jesus Christ and not give you an opportunity to respond to him. You sitting here, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and that's your first issue. Your issue is not who you hang with. Your, relation, your issue is that you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So you sitting here today, and you, you walk into this room, and you've been searching your entire life, always searching, never finding, but you walked into a room like this tonight, and you say, I think I found what it is that I'm looking for, and I think that it might just be Jesus. If you're in here tonight, you don't have a relationship with God, but you'd like to start one. Would you slip up your hand so I can pray for you? Amen. I see you. I see you. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. You can put your hands down. If that's you, just in your own words, begin to talk to God for the first time. You don't have to articulate anything perfect. Just talk to him. Lord, I'm a sinner. I repent of my sins. I put my trust and faith in you. I believe you're the only way to heaven. Just talk to him. God, we love you. We trust you. We ask all in your name. All God's people said, amen. If y'all want to stand to your feet, let's worship.